Good evening and welcome to Kitchen Radio. Uh, that first song was um, In Spite of Ourselves by John Prine um, and Iris Dement. Uh, John Prine died this week from coronavirus and so I thought it'd be nice to start off with that. And because I was having technical issues, we got to listen to Confines, uh, Jessica Dennison and Jones and that's from the confines of my cell. I'll be cooking. So that's what I've been doing from the confines of myself. I've got Rebecca Goodrum all the way from country Victoria on Hopefully on Zoom. Hi, Beck. Are you there? I'm here, oh, Rita. Hi. Oh, fantastic. Hey, Beck. That's so <laughs> exciting. There's some other weird things happening there, so I think listeners will just have to forgive us a little bit. The old, the old tech issues. Uh, once again, being part of our show, they're a great third guest. I reckon <laughs> the tech issues. So look, tonight is a Good Friday and Easter episode of Kitchen Radio. And I don't know about you, Beck, but I'm feeling that in these days of social isolation, the kitchen and more importantly, cooking is emerging as essential activity in people's lives, along with walking their dogs. Um, <laughs> I've seen a lot more it, dogs I've never seen before out, out and about, you know, and their owners. Definitely. I feel, owners. can you hear me at the moment? I can hear you. Hear yeah, you I feel really pleased for those um, dogs, yeah. many of whom probably rarely get out, but on a personal level, I feel annoyed by how busy it is out there. I know. I quite like being out there on my own. There's a very walking f- the dogs. <laughs> There's a very funny little video. Have you seen it about the dog saying the dogs talking about how great it is at the moment that they're getting lots and lots of walks? I, <laughs> I haven't seen it. No, you'll have to you'll have to uh, send that to one to me after. But yes, we're, we're I'm definitely having my own experience of that. But yeah, um, uh, dog walking and cooking shows i was listening to local radio here in country victoria today and apparently it's one of the big google trends is uh cooking you know cooking instruction cooking shows cooking you know recipes all that sort of thing i've had a massive boost in oh, wow. uh, google hits but along I'm... with you know news generally but so maybe kitchen radio will just find a whole new listenership out absolutely there because of course i reckon if you can combine it with some dogs <laughs> <laughs> some dogs then you'll it'll be like it'll be a worldwide hit yeah because in fact one of our themes is about eating local which everyone's starting to do a lot more and of course um not cooking as entertainment but just cooking as a fantastic activity in its own right so yeah that's basically what's happening is that people are cooking just because cooking's great fun um, Absolutely, and, and it's entertaining. With... Like a bit like gardening, excellent for your mental health. Yes. Maybe it doesn't work for everyone, but it certainly works for me. Yeah, um, I'll just also just um, outline that we are also going to talk to Susie Capitas from Darwin um, and find out what's happening in uh, Darwin, particularly with the the Greek community in Darwin and Easter, and Easter being such a big thing um, in, as you know in the Greek community. So what's, um, what have you seen that's trending in your supermarkets down there? I mean, what is it on the shelves? It changes every week, um, although there is some consistencies at the moment. I think it's UHT milk, pasta and rice aren't on our shelves. How about down in Victoria? I think it's probably the same sort of thing, Rita. Um, yeah, I have been, you know, discovering my local produce networks down here um it feels a long way from alice where you feel like such a connected small community in terms of you know how to find things and who to ask and so on but um but there are some of course great suppliers and a whole range of um, fabulous local produce and also have a fabulous garden myself veggie garden so yeah really lucky in that way but um i've developed sort of quite an intimate feeling relationship with the ceo of woolworths (laughs) whose name i can't remember right Seriously? now. He's been emailing me personally, oh, actually, well, for you are quite a few so weeks now. Lucky. You are so lucky. Yeah. yeah, I don't know whether you've been getting those emails too, but I did. But very I don't. Personal. Anything from a CEO, I just don't read on 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 principle. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very personal, and I have to say, even though we hate Woolworths, and when all this goes back to you know something else, normal or a new normal. We'll remember that they're wage thefts and, you know, all the other things. But right now, I just think Woolies and probably a whole lot of other traders are doing a fabulous job. 
of you know really uh, pretending to care about yeah. the wider public. And they must be making a lot of money at the moment as well. They must be. Yeah. Yeah. Bless them. <laughs> bless them. Um, but um, but I, I hope some other people are too. And yeah. there's a whole lot of you know producers who are just you know the uh, transformation of the market, I guess. And yeah. So rapidly changing to. Um, home deliveries and online businesses and so on. I think just it's incredible the um, the skill and speed with which many businesses have transformed. Yep. All power to them. Yes. They've been elastic, I think the word is. Um, yeah. But, but it's not just Woolies. I've actually noticed that the IGA supermarkets here as well as Drake's in, um, in Alice Plaza and I went into Piggly's yesterday and their shelves are full. Um, so I really mm. would encourage listeners not, you know, if you go to Woolies and the uh, shelves are empty, just go to your local IGA. Chances are it's going to be there. You might yes. have to pay a bit more, but, um, yeah, but that's okay in these times of uh, social isolation and everything else. Do you know what I have noticed is lacking, though, and no one else has talked about this, and that is baking supplies. Like there's a real lack of flour, sugar, and cooking chocolate. I cannot get yeah. cooking chocolate at the moment. So there goes my, um, you know, my chocolate yeast kugelhoop for, for Easter. I'm just not going to be able to do it. Um, so I wonder who someone out there must be doing a lot of cooking with uh cooking chocolate do you think it's is the cooking chocolate disappearing has it disappeared just in the lead up to easter or has it been longer than that because certainly the flour and sugar disappeared weeks ago no no it's been i mean the last time i went to a supermarket was two weeks ago and there was no cooking chocolate there so i'm Mm. I'm assuming it's uh it's actually not got to do with easter no yeah no well that's that's the theory is that um a lot of lot more parents at home with their kids and doing a whole lot more cooking baking activities to keep yeah. uh, young people entertained who might normally be at school or daycare or whatever so yeah, yeah. I did find that pretty hilarious that uh social media meme saying there's a whole lot of parents who are about <laughs> to find out that it's not the teacher's fault <laughs> <laughs> but being a non-parent I guess I'm allowed to you're allowed to say that, that yeah um, even I've been twisting my teenager's arm to come and help me make a posada this afternoon. And uh, look, you know, he's 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 having his arm twisted, but uh, yeah, not enjoying it. But what the hell? Um, he's had so much online time, time to himself that he's like, "All right, I'm up for a bit of cooking distraction." Yeah. So speaking of tomatoes, seasonally uh, tomatoes are okay at the moment. I, Food for Alice has closed down, so I actually have no idea what's in season mm. Um, mm. In, in, um, you know, in home gardens in Alice Springs because mine is only just, my kitchen garden's only just um, had um, a beetroot and chard planted in it. But um, yeah. I've, I've paid, you know, very cheap prices for really good eggplants and zucchinis and tomatoes at the moment, which are all the ingredients for uh, ratatouille. I'm missing one. Well, my, uh, my mate, oh, the CEO of Woolworths, whose name I've forgotten, he he told me actually that Did he? Um, tomatoes are an excellent price at the moment. Okay, good. Um, but that that broccoli and cauliflower are struggling a little bit in price just okay. because of other seasonal issues and shortages, but nothing to do with the whole uh, current mad world, just weather and whatever, yeah. apparently. Apparently, I, I wish I could I'm remember a, his name. I feel really rude. To, that I, can't I reckon I, I think he's been emailing me. I hate to tell you, Beck, that you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I know you thought it was just for you, but maybe, maybe it's just you and me who are getting them. No one else. It's like having a pen pal. Takes me back to being a kid. It's a very personal letter he's been writing me. Uh, we are Dear all Rebecca. in this. We are all in this together. And his name right. is right at the end, Brad Banducci. Oh, Brad Band, Brad. Brad Banducci, yeah. I'm wondering if I've got one from Coles as well. I am. Um, I haven't been getting them from Coles. No. And I'm, I am. I have to say it's not a cooking thing, but I've been missing my ones from Qantas. They were emailing me a lot early on, <laughs> but I haven't heard from them for ages. And I, funny thing I, that, know. funny thing that, yeah. Mm. Uh, um, but, yeah, tomatoes are definitely in season down here. So I guess in Alice you'll be getting tomatoes shipped from southern Southern states, mostly, most likely, South yeah. Australia. Yeah, well, I've, I actually got some, um, ordered some from the Fruit and Veg Wholesaler here. and I, They were $25 for a box of 10, which I thought was a little <laughs> bit much, right? 
And then, but I was yeah. feeling pretty good. At, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of you know because of course Posada is one of the things as well that's very short on the supermarket shelves. And yes. then I looked at Facebook and someone had posted that Piglets was selling them for um, $10, $15 a box. So uh. I hot-footed it over to Piglets straight away. <laughs> and, of course, they're all gone. They're oh, all really? Gone. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in oh. Alice Springs is making posada this weekend or tomato sauce or anything like that. But they might have some oh. more in tomorrow. So, look, yeah, look, actually next week's show I'm going to do um, on posada. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about no, the, okay. um, the process. Just wetting the appetite, eh? Yeah, for next week's show. Um, mm. I've got mine are half done at home and I've decided to do them in small batches this year rather than in big batches. But that is one of the things I always associate with this time of year, apart from Easter is it's a really good time to do your um, your passata if you've got lots of tomatoes. I've done my own when I've had mm. lots of tomatoes at home and that's a really fun way of doing them. You just do a few bottles at a time. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, I've, I've made about three batches now myself, although none of them are, I'm sure, actual proper passata. But, you know, I read a recipe and followed the instructions more or less and, uh, yeah, I, delicious. Proper passata is just, just tomato puree with a bit of salt and basil. <laughs> Yeah, I probably might have skipped the pureeing part at the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, but it's very chunky, Posada. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it's a chunky Posada. I've been carrying around a massive pot and a puree machine for the last 20 years, so um, I oh. do get a bit excited. In fact, I, I, I couldn't find it. It was so many years since I'd made it. I had to look everywhere, but I did find it in the end. Oh. Um, mm. Sorry. Do you like Easter as a celebration? I do. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like? I don't. I don't particularly do the religious thing, but I'm very happy for those that do. Um, but I, I like all the eating festival side, and mm. I like it as it's a fab, fabulous time of year, pretty much no matter where you are. Yeah, and uh, pretty you know one of the favourite long weekends that we have here. In, Australia, yeah, a whole four days. That's what I love about it. It's actually four mm. days, and you, you, everybody gets that four days off. And unlike mm. Christmas, you know, people are around in Alice Springs, although that's a little bit irrelevant at the moment because even if you've got lots of mates who are still in Alice Springs, yes. you're probably only talking to them via Zoom or on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Correct. We've always had an Easter lunch, um, and of course, you know, fish on Good Friday. Do you do the fish thing on Good Friday? Yeah, I love a bit of tradition, but not so much because it is the tradition, just because I like uh, clues for inspiration. So, mm. it's you know, I'll, I'll take any tradition as a little prompt, like, oh, there's some inspiration. Yeah, let's have fish. I've got a, uh, a whole snapper to bake tonight Ooh. and light a fire in the backyard. So mm. get a little bit sentimental for Alice Springs and light a fire in the backyard. I think it's just clicked over into a season down here where you're allowed to have a fire outside Okay, from the uh, Victorian kind of total non you know total fire ban all summer long type thing i think it's this easter long weekend where it clicks back oh, into okay. being allowed to have a yeah, fire have outside, fire outside. Okay. so yeah we're gonna gonna uh cook a whole bake uh, bake a whole snapper on the fire oh i got some um, mackerel from milner actually which was looking really mm. beautiful so we're gonna have a um, a kerala fish curry Mm, very traditional. Very traditional. I, similarly, I'm going to have some, yeah, lemongrass and ginger and chili in my bake snapper. But <laughs> traditional fish, not. But there you go. But no, I don't. I don't mind some tradition as a prompt, and certainly, you know, I love the the hot cross buns. I get into making them some years, not all years. Definitely haven't this year. But I bought some very fancy ones from a local artisan sourdough bakery. So I've got some very well justified layers to um, put on around the guts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's a thing at the moment as well where, you know, I, I've made, you know, hot cross buns and various things for friends um, at Easter, but I don't know how people are going to feel about having homemade mm. goods given to you just with the whole sort of, you know, yeah. the virus, the virus around. Everyone's scared. You know, yeah. and uh, homemade. I'm even making my own bread at the moment, not necessarily because of the virus, but I've I've just gone into that home baker frame of mind. So I'm just doing a lot more baking. Mm, yum yum. Um, yeah, I have to say I am also doing a lot of cooking. Um, nothing too fancy. I'm going to make some uh, some lamb on Sunday. I me hope too. inspired by your 
uh, what's the name of it again, Rita? Oh, the Kleptico. Kleptico. Kleptico, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been inspired by that, so I'm yeah, going to try look, and make that. The, the Greek, um, you know, Easter traditions, but they are really quite lovely. I actually spoke to Susie Kapitas, who um, has lived in Alice Springs, and she's living in Darwin at the moment. And she does particular Easter things each year um, within the sort of the Greek community there. She got a recipe for me. So this is a little bit of a long interview, Beck. But do you mind if we just have a listen to what Susie's been? Not at all. Susie, you're part of the Greek community in Darwin. Can you tell me a little bit about that community? Hi, Rita. Lovely to talk to you today. Um, Look, the Greek community is a large community. All all Greek communities in Australia tend to be large, um, but this. Uh, the Greek community up in Darwin is made of made up of a large number of people, representatives of Kalimnos and Kastelodizor, and I've been up here um, since 1992, and I've been really fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to meet lots of Greek people from various areas of Greece, predominantly Kalimnos and Kastelodizor, and I've been able to learn some of their traditional dishes and the way that they celebrate various parts of the calendar year in the Greek community. So it's been really, you know, it's been fantastic for me to be able to have that opportunity to learn different things and different ways of doing things. And the Greek community does go back a really long way, doesn't it, in Darwin? Well, I think there's there's been, um, it's about 100 years from what I understand. Um, I don't know the exact timing, but there's been um, Greek presence in the in the top end uh, as far back as a hundred years ago with uh, one famous family that I do know, the Haritos uh, clan, and uh, they've made they've they've made significant contributions uh, to the Darwin community. Yeah, it's amazing that there's so many generations, and yet that sort of Greek culture still remains really strong in Darwin, and and obviously in lots of places in Australia as well. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the feature of um, you know Greek the Greek community in particular. I can't speak about any other communities, but that that um, that relevance to tradition and how things were done then, and 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 how that is continuously translated through the generations remains quite strong, even in my um, even in my upbringing, and and now uh, my children are reflecting some of that also. Yeah. It's really nice to see. <laughs> it is. So, Susie, Easter's a really special day in the um, Greek calendar and there's a lot of really amazing cooking that happens around Easter. Could you tell me what you would normally do, like food-wise, um, around Easter? Well, Easter is, is, a, is, a, is a preparation of a feast on Easter Saturday and at midnight and Sunday lunch. So there's a lot of preparation which happens during the week, which is called the Holy Week. And, and so things that that we would all be doing in our homes would be making the traditional kolodia, which is the Greek biscuits, uh, Greek butter biscuits. Uh, the other thing that I would be preparing on the Easter Saturday would be the red, dyeing the red eggs or dyeing, dyeing eggs red um, as a um, symbol of uh, Greek Easter. I normally dye them on Saturday morning. So they can be really fresh uh, for the Sunday lunch. So one of the other things that I've been introduced to while I've lived in Darwin is the some lovely Cypriot women that I get together with um, every year, Flora and Athena. And these two sisters have welcomed me into their home, and every year we get together and make um, the traditional Cypriot cheese pastries called flowernet and. Uh, they're a wonderful uh, cheese pastry. Uh, uh, yeah. Incredible. yeah, like I was telling you before, I've actually tried <laughs> to make them one Easter as well. They are so beautiful. But you just don't make a couple of them, do you? No, we don't. We, we make hundreds and then we divvy them out to family and friends. But they're really labour-intensive and that's why you need almost a team of you making them. Uh, and uh, they're just wonderful sort of pockets of... Parmesan, Romano and halloumi with mint and sesame and, you know, little sort of golden tassels of yumminess that um, uh, add, to, uh, add to the Easter flavour of the yeah. year. So we, we get together every year and 
you know, we have lovely conversations. They usually, um, I think last year we made a thousand and we sort of congregated each other's homes and we start with Flora first because she's um, uh, the matriarch and the, and the chief in this area. So we usually all start at Flora's home and we make three or four hundred there and then a few days later they might come, they'll come to my home and we'll do the same and we'll finish at Athena's home and and once they're done we freeze them all and we um, give them out to family and friends and then present them for Sunday lunch so it's absolutely beautiful they're my favourite pastries and and they're really sort of a representative of Easter it wouldn't be Easter for me if I didn't make them and what about Good Friday do you do the fish on Good Friday. Well, traditionally, you meant to do the or traditionally, um, the Greek, the a, a Greek household or Greek family would do the fish. Um, <clears throat> we normally have a vegetarian type, uh, vegetarian meal. Uh, not not that we're vegetarian, but usually because uh, some some members of my family don't like fish. But when I grew when I was growing up at my parents' home, my mother would make bakala, which is um, a traditional dried fish, dried cod. And that would be fried with garlic um, in olive oil, and then um, with a little bit of lemon juice and some green beans or some wild greens served with that. So that was traditionally what you would have on the Friday night. Yeah, I have tried bakala. I don't can't say I've ever been very successful, but it's um it's a beautiful <laughs> dried fish you can get. I've seen in Melbourne, but really nowhere else. You can get it here. You just need to know how to prepare it, and yeah. sometimes you can buy it. It can be really, really salty, and then other, and then if you soak it for a day in some water and rinsing it in between, you can get that um, saltiness out and, yeah. and dry, dry, and then fry it up beautifully. Yeah, even so that strong takes, cod smell. But you can't get it here, Susie. I can tell you now. I've never seen it anywhere here in Alice Springs. Oh my goodness. Well, that's okay. It's not the end of the world because no, we could okay. send you some down, Rita. <laughs> you could, and it's possibly quite a good food to have yeah. at the moment. Like, it could be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, the smell of it. Yeah, it might it might not be very popular because of the smell, yeah. but yeah, it certainly would keep really well. Yep. And then on Easter Sunday, is it is it a big family gathering, and do you do roast lamb and all of those types of things? <laughs> Usually it's a big family gathering or a big gathering of people. And um, because I wasn't born in Darwin, I, um, I'm from Adelaide originally. So I, my family aren't here apart from um, my immediate family. So we would usually spend Sunday lunch with friends and family. And that can be anywhere from 10 people to 20 or 30. And uh, there's always a lamb uh, on the spit. Or a lamb in the oven stuffed with rice. That would be a traditional component of an Easter lunch, uh, Greek Easter lunch, with lemon and oregano potatoes, which are just beautiful, some stuffed chicken with a herb rice mixture, um, as well as seafood and fish. So it tends to be a bit like a Christmas a Christmas lunch. Sure. And is um is that cooking shared out amongst <coughs> the um you know, the different families and the different people who are coming to the meal? Yeah, it's usually shared out. You know, you, you might you'll have a conversation in the early part of the week and, you know, somebody might be prepared to do the lamb or because they've always done the lamb that'll be their job and, you know, my job might be to make the Greek custard slice. Uh, and the flowers and that's the so uh, so everything's located mm-hmm. to members of the family and friends who then bring that as a contribution to to the Sunday lunch. Sure, and it's definitely but, a lunch, not a dinner. Well, I think it starts at lunch, but Rita usually people don't leave till um, well after nine or ten o'clock. Oh, so it's a that long, sounds fantastic! Long, a long day. <laughs> so this year with social distancing and, and COVID-19, you're possibly, you're not going to be doing that, are you? Well, uh, unfortunately, we won't. And, um, you know, we really are going to be pared down to just our immediate family group. So Sunday lunch, East Greek Easter Sunday lunch in our home will be just uh, the four of us. So it'll be a very different, um, mm. a different day. There'll be lots of telephone calls and there'll be lots of, uh, video chatting um, over FaceTime to connect with family and friends on the day. It, it certainly won't be like it was 
say last year where we had you know lots of people over and um, you know, people were, were able to sort of catch up and have long conversations, entertain everybody with the food and then have some lovely sort of games afterwards. It was, it, it, it'll be a very different year. And will you be doing the flowers with the two sisters? No, we we won't. We we did have a conversation about that, and we decided that under the circumstances and because of COVID nineteen and the and the physical restrictions that have been placed on everybody, uh, we probably wouldn't be a good idea to ignore that, and um, we wouldn't want to put anybody in any any danger by potential exposure in any way. So, yeah. which is really sad. Yeah, because um, you know that you know it's a real opportunity for us to catch up and talk about the year and how everybody's going and and um you know just just enjoy the mm. whole process that we we've done for so many years so i think people are a little bit sad and a little bit confused as to how far they can go and what it means and and so it'll be you know it'll be a really it'll be a very different easter for everybody especially the church services not being Open yeah. to and, and people not being able to attend that will be um, that will be very yeah, hard I think well it's just such a drastic change from the norm you know you, it's not just happening down it's happening globally so yeah. it's quite it's quite surreal in many ways for everybody to yeah. to have those limitations put on put on not only yourself but the whole community mm. and the whole uh, and the whole world yes. It's a very strange time. Um, so I want to ask you to give me your favourite Easter recipe. Are you able to share? Oh, Rita, I've got lots <laughs> of favourite recipes. I'm not sure how many you'd like. But, I'll just, um, uh, we could just limit it maybe to, to one. One, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, whether it's the flowers or I always call it Galacta Barreco, but what's what's the correct pronunciation of it? Um, well, you did pretty well. That's okay. pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. It's Galacta uh, Barreco and um, and it's a, a Greek custard slice, if you like. And that's a I've got a, a lovely recipe which never fails me, and I'm really happy to share that out. That would be great um, because I've never actually made made it and I, I really, really like it. My sister came back from Greece years ago and she talked a lot about this, you uh, know, this Greek custard slice and when I finally ate it, I think I was in Melbourne the first time, it was so beautiful yeah. just because of those textures of the crispness of the phyllo and then that softness of the, um, of the custard as well. Look, it's a beautiful dessert. It's surprisingly easy to make. And I've got a great recipe here, which I'm really happy to share with your listeners. So, could we go through it now? Yeah, sure. You can get it in Alice Springs. I know I used to buy it when I was down there. Antonio's Filo, one packet of that. Where would you get Eight, it from? Um, Woolies would have it. Okay. And Coles would have it. The other place that might have it might be, well, maybe, I'm not sure actually, I'm just guessing, is uh, Milner Meats might okay. actually have it. And Milner Meats seems to have grown. Uh, to be quite a fantastic sort of continental yeah. deli uh, as well as a great meat store. So they may have it or they may be prepared to get it in for you. So one packet of um, Antonio's, preferably phyllo pastry or phyllo pastry or homemade, uh, if you want to make it later, that's absolutely fine. Um, eight cups of full cream milk, one cup of semolina, fine semolina, which is what I normally use, a cup of caster sugar, five eggs, um, orange rind and one vanilla bean and for the syrup, one cup of sugar to half a cup of water. Now I'll start with the cream Yep. and you slowly simmer your eight cups of cream. So is this some, cream milk. yeah, so it's, uh, it's not, it's not milk, it's cream, yeah? Full cream milk. Oh, full cream time. milk. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say yeah. eight cups of cream. Wow. Well, that's... you could, you could, no. <laughs> Eight cups of full cream milk, and what I normally do is put a put a very generous rind in of orange rind and a vanilla bean, and I slowly bring that to the boil, and then I turn the heat down and let it simmer. At that particular stage, I add my cup of semolina and my cup of sugar, and I keep stirring it with a wooden with a spoon. So you can't leave it; no, otherwise it'll go lumpy. Huh? Yep. It'll go lumpy. So um, one of, one of the really great things that I've found is you get one of those uh, whisks. Um, not the metal whisk, 
but it's uh, almost like a plastic whisk, uh-huh. uh, so it doesn't scrape the bottom. So you're combining the sugar and the semolina with the warm milk, and as it starts to get thicker, you'll remove that and then finish it off with a wooden spoon, making sure that it's cooked quite well and it's thickened up really, really well. And you've got a pretty Put low that. heat here, haven't you, because <coughs> you don't want to get it stuck on the bottom. Yeah, low, moderate to low heat, mm-hmm. no, nothing, nothing blasting um, in this recipe. And then I'll, I'll, once it's all sort of nice and thick and combined, I'll let that cool to one side and I'll add a knob of butter in that mixture and I'll get a piece of grease piece paper and I'll just pat it right on top of the semolina custard so it doesn't create a skin as it cools mm-hmm. and I'll just leave it to one side to cool. Um, I'll then beat my egg, my five eggs, and add that to the semolina cream mixture once it's really lukewarm. If you add it in when it's too hot, you'll cook, you'll cook the egg, your egg. So I'll beat the eggs in to the creamy mixture and combine it with the whisk or with a wooden spoon. In the meantime, you'll put that to one side and get your tray. And I usually melt 250 or 125 of unsalted butter probably start with 125 first and butter the butter your tray um, liberally with unsalted butter at the bottom and place usually 10 sheets of phyllo at the bottom buttering in between and making sure that they come over the side so you've got a casing the cream you know the cream once it's poured goes into a phyllo pastry casing if you like so there's 10 sheets that have been buttered in between and then I pour the semolina custard with the eggs that already beaten into that cream mixture into the tray. Um, pull my um, overlapping phyllo pastry uh, sides onto that eggy mixture, if you like. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. And then I'll put another 10 or 15 phyllo sheets on the top, buttering sort of neatly uh, and liberally in between. And once I've got a really nice, neat package of phyllo pastry with the cream custard inside, I'll, I'll score the sheets on top. Mm-hmm. I won't cut right through them, but I get a really, really sharp knife and I'll score the, I'll score the pieces and I'm a really terrible cutter, Rita. I've never <laughs> been so you, but you need a really sharp yeah. knife to do this, don't you? Because the custard's yeah, kind do. of wobbly. and You um, do, and I find that those little serrated knives those yeah, really, sure. really sharp serrated knives that you can buy from one of those kitchen shops. There yeah, I've got one of those. I find them great yeah. for all sorts of weird purposes like this. Yeah, yeah perfect. And so you might want to, you might choose to cut it in squares or di- or diamonds. That's, mm-hmm. that's fine. I usually cut mine into squares, not very straight squares, of course. And if you really want to be neat, you might get a ruler, but I've never been, um, I've never been that, mm-hmm. uh, that fussy. So you, Bake it at about 160, uh, 170 for about 45 minutes until it's nice and golden brown and it'll rise quite a bit. At the same time, you might prepare your syrup. Uh, I usually end up putting two cups of sugar with one cup of water. Mm -hmm. But if you like it less sweet, you can do equal parts sugar to equal part water. And in that syrupy mixture, I'll add a rind of orange and a vanilla bean, and I'll slowly bring that oil and boil it for about 10 or 15 minutes. If you'd like it thicker, then you, you boil it for a little bit longer to get a thicker syrup. Mm-hmm. And once that's done, you pour it over the top. Do you pour it over while it's hot? Well, like you when can, it's just come yeah, out of the oven, yes. or should you let it cool yes. first? That's, that's what I do. I pour it over when it's really hot, yeah. and I slowly ladle the syrup over the um Greek custard slice, and where I've scored my um, my pastry with the knife earlier before it goes into the oven, I then very carefully cut mm-hmm. right down to the very bottom, so the syrup Ooh, can then get um, right down deep. to the bottom. Yeah, so yeah, it's beautiful actually. So might make one now, Rita. Yeah, I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> um, and would you make this in a square or a rectangular or a round? Um, baking tray? Look, you can do it in any of those shapes, okay. but, but it's probably easier to manage if it's done in a square yeah. or a rectangle. Yeah. And um, so a rectangular, a rectangular tray can be either a stainless steel tray with really sharp edges. Okay. So you've got a real 
square rectangle yep. or it could be a porcelain rectangular um, dish. Mm-hmm. But if you have something with really sharp um, edges, so you have a true rectangle, that tends to give it a really nice shape. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, whatever you've got handy is fine. I'm inspired, Susie. I am going to make it. I was going to make uh, tiramisu for. Well, that's um, lovely too. Oh, it yeah. is. But we're actually having a, a lamb, and I th- and we're having Greek style lamb. So I do. I don't like to change cuisines in the middle of a uh, a meal. So. Oh, oh my goodness! We're doing that. All, we do that all the time in our house. <laughs> but not for <laughs> a special <laughs> celebration. You know, I, I think I'm going. I'm going Italian, or I'm going to go <laughs> Greek or <laughs> Middle Eastern. But um. And I haven't made it before either, so I'm, I'm actually really inspired. Um, and thanks for those oh. measurements. Those measurements were really great. And I will, act- I will actually write them down and, and put them on my um, Facebook page because um, I think I'm going to go back and, and, and follow them completely. Um, now, do oh, you, well serve it, you serve it cold, don't you? Um, it, look, it's best to serve it cold, but if you serve it warm, it's also beautiful too. It'll cut better when it's cold. Yeah. Cut it um, straight out of the oven. You probably won't. The cream won't have it, have had an opportunity to set, yep. so it, it'll spill out. Which I mean, it might not look very nice and presentable if you're uh, doing a, a gourmet traveller uh, cover magazine flick. But you know, <laughs> it'll not, taste beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And would you? You would normally eat that with a, a coffee. Normally, I'd have it with a Greek coffee with a little bit of ouzo on ice, and that would be perfect. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to go and find some ouzo now in Alice Springs. I'm just already sort of feeling you know, sleepy at the thought of having this um, beautiful sweet dessert with um, a bit of coffee, uh, that bitterness of Greek coffee as well, and then the um, ouzo. What's the greeting in, in Greek for Easter? There's a couple of greetings. And, uh, but in terms of saying, like, uh, if I want to finish the show now with a... Uh, Hope you have a happy Easter. How would I? What would I be saying? Well, the happy Easter you'd be saying, "Kalopatra uh, is happy Easter." That would be the the greeting for that. So, "Kalopatra Easter." Kalopaska um, is "Kalopatra Rita," and the reply would be "Kalianasasi," um, which would you would say that on the Friday night, but for the Saturday night feast and the Sunday feast, you would greet somebody with Christos Anesti. Oh, okay. Meaning Christ yes. has risen. Christ has risen, yeah. yeah. I think. I think that's <laughs> right, yeah. Kalopasko, Susie. Kalopasko, Rita. And thank you no. for showing an interest in, uh, in, in uh, traditional Greek cooking and traditional Greek Easter. Oh, and I can tell you, I like all Greek cooking. Like I travelled a couple of years ago to many places, but it was the food I had in Greece that was the most inspiring. So thank yeah. you so much, Susie. Have a great Easter and um, see, you. see you later. You. Okay. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I just really want some galaktaboreko. What about you, Beck? That um, sounded incredible. Rita, that was a beautiful interview. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Susie was really, um, yeah, she, she had a lot to offer and it was it was just really nice to actually have a recipe and I thought I'm going to do yeah. more actual recipes that you can follow. And I've written that yeah. down and I'm going to do, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have that on, on Sunday. I know it's... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to make that, although um, you, you never know, but I am going to do some some Greek lamb. Yeah. And I might make some little, you know, traditional biscuits if I get really carried away. Like Greek biscuits? Yeah. I love those Greek well, biscuits. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't get the – there wasn't a recipe then. But, um, no, no. She, but, yeah, I think Susie you mentioned them, or maybe yeah. you did. Yeah, no, she does mention the biscuits um, at one point. And I there. thought yep. – I thought, oh, yeah, I don't mind. Biscuits you can throw together pretty easy. That recipe sounded incredible but very extensive, very involved. Oh, I just have to have it now. I'm just already thinking. <laughs> I, and I've got all the ingredients. Like there might not – I don't need to have the cooking chocolate. You know, I've got semolina, I've got butter, I've got eggs, I've got flour and I've got sugar um, and lots and lots of – not a lot, you know, but a few a few packets of UHT milk um, sitting in my – New pantry. I just heard some birds at dusk there. Is it dusk there in Victoria? 
Is it oh, dusk. dusk. Yeah, yeah. I, it's definitely. Sorry, I said, <laughs> is it dusty? Uh, it's definitely dusky. It's dusk. Um, did you see photos of my garden? No, I did. They there were some moving <laughs> photos of your garden. Um, and yeah. I, did, I sort of got a sense of it, but I can see. The I think uh, sky now. half an hour or an hour ago would have been better. But never mind. I'll send no, you some no. photos, sure. Rita. Um, Because Beck's coming to me via Zoom, so this is just yet another use of of Zoom, which is great that we can actually do a whole radio show and we can see each other just like just like old days back in the studio. <laughs> That's right. I provide the beverages. Um, now, I want to talk about like symbolic cooking at Easter um, because there is a lot of symbolism in, in a lot of the special Easter foods like hot cross buns, like they've got a cross on them. That cross symbolises like yes. crucifixion. Um, yes. Easter eggs, they symbolise um, new life, which is the... I love it that you hesitated there. What do they symbolise? <laughs> Commercialism. No, that's right. New life. <laughs> New life. Um, yeah. And, you know, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine did like a, a symbolic or I call it an evocative Easter lunch. Um, <laughs> and she had, um, you know, she had bitter herbs and they had fish. But the one thing she had was, which was her own sort of invention, and I, I tried to get the recipe from her, but it wasn't very successful, which was a, um, uh, a cranberry jelly heart. And inside it had a halloumi aorta. <laughs> and that when she unmolded it, it kind of blobbed and sort of seeped everywhere like blood. And it felt very like evocative of, you know, of the suffering that, that actually happens. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's the strange thing about Easter. It's sort of like the the, the death and then the rebirth it's um, the resurrection mm. yeah yeah was it like originally a pagan feast so a lot of the christian yeah. feasts they actually just um you know they just i suppose incorporated them into existing um feasts so you know easter really was about celebrating the end of winter and the and the um and the new life the spring yes etc i um are you going to tell more about that lunch that you got cooked because no, I just was... think that, that <laughs> well, friend was pretty perverse and creative <laughs> she was I won't, I won't say who it is because she doesn't live in Alice Springs but ah, it was uh, I thought it, as much yes yes <laughs> that whole Easter just had this kind of blood theme and I um I'm actually going to finish mm. off the show with uh with a, a song that I, I I kept listening to on that particular day but um it got me thinking about yeah are there other recipes out there that I'm not aware of and I came across one called Resurrection Cookies. I think I sent you the link. <laughs> I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Resurrection Cookies, but I just—it's—I'm going to just do a little bit of a review on radio. So it's got um, a cup of almonds or pecans, a teaspoon of vinegar, three egg whites, salt, a cup of sugar. Now you also need a, a Bible and, <laughs> and some tape. So you're preheating your oven. 300 degrees so it's obviously an mm. american recipe and then you get and you're doing this with your kids right so you're going to get your cup of nuts and you're going to put them in a ziploc bag and then you're going to beat them <laughs> you're going to beat them and beat them with a wooden spoon until they're in tiny pieces and while you're doing this you're reminding the children that jesus was beaten by the roman soldiers <laughs> Again, now I should stop laughing. Yeah, I know. I know we should, but it's it's so wacky. And then you're going to allow each of the children to smell the vinegar and they're going to get them to taste it. And then you're going to explain that the vinegar was given to Jesus to drink that when he was on the cross. See, I think there's a lot of trauma in Easter. Like I'm looking through this going, really? You're going to go through this with your children? With your kids. <laughs> mm. um, look, it goes on and on and on. But um, the best one is that when they um, – you actually leave the cookies in in the oven overnight because they're kind of like a meringue. So, you know, they've got that nice slow oven. And then I kept thinking that you're going to open the oven in the morning and it's Easter and you're going to um, you're going to eat the cookies. But actually, um, you, you, you actually get the kids to seal the oven door with tape. <laughs> and that's to remind the kids that the, the tomb was sealed with a large rock. I'm a little bit concerned because, like, most tape is plastic, and if your oven's hot, you know, that plastic's going to melt. But anyway. you got to seal the oven with a large rock. Is that what? <laughs> 
Now you're reminding them that Jesus' tomb was sealed with a large rock. Uh-huh. I'm sorry if anybody's out there and is offended by this, but I just I'm just completely intrigued by it. Um, and then you're going to leave, as I said before, the cookies are in the oven overnight and your kids are feeling sad because the poor cookies are in the oven. It's like <laughs> Jesus' followers were sad when um, the tomb was sealed. And then in the morning you um, open the oven and you have some cookies. Mm, um, and you celebrate. Well, there's just one little bit more. And then when you have the cookies, they're a little bit hollow inside and that's to remind your child that the tomb was empty mm. when they came there. Like someone's thought about this a great deal and good on them for doing that. I love it. Are you going to post that one? Uh, oh, I'm absolutely on the going to post kitchen that Kitchen radio site? Yeah. 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 And they actually yeah. look quite lovely. Like the little meringue, I think they're actually going to taste great. Um, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any little kids to do that narrative with, but, you know, um, just if anybody I'm sure your there, adult friends will appreciate it. I, I anyway, you're not allowed to share it with friends. anyone at no, the moment. But. No, I've only got a 17-year-old son who will so not have any interest in this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I could record myself and imagine there were little kitties there. but You uh, could, yes. <laughs> um, you can, might yeah, yeah. need some help to get a rock in and seal the oven, but... Um, look, there is other – I was looking at some of the Russian Easter recipes, like the uh, – there's your, the kulik, which is this beautiful, long, sweet bread, and the pashka, which is the cheese. Have you ever made those for Easter? No. Yeah. I made them um, again when I was a Steiner parent and we made them. <laughs> and um, – yeah. You know, it's, it's what you do. You do things like that as a Steiner parent. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But the kulik is, it's a really long, it's very hard to find a cake tin. It's this very long, thin, sweet, yeasted bread. Um, but the pashka is quite lovely. Like it's got ricotta and egg yolks and sugar and lemon and orange and cream and um, and then dried fruit through it. And then that's kind of pressed into a mould for a couple of nights. And then when you wow. serve it, yeah, you put an X. B on it and I kept seeing this XB XB what does that mean what does XB mean and it's uh symbolic in Russian for for Christ is risen of course I should have known that but um, yeah. I am, I'm actually going to post I found a really lovely recipe for Pashka and I am going to post it on my uh, Facebook page yeah lovely that sounds I mean it sounds delicious but um yeah, I think taking inspiration from traditional cooking is, you know, it's as, it's as good as any other inspiration. Yeah. It's certainly, um, you know, got more merit than being inspired by what you see other people panic buying in the supermarket and trying to get, you know, desperately wanting pasta because that's Everyone what it, you see has disappeared off it. the shelf. I know, I know. I hardly ever or desperately, pasta, but, we haven't yeah. gone there yet, but desperately wanting jarred up you know jarred sauce pasta sauce because you see it's gone so you think oh my god no, maybe i need some no. of that oh, look, oh, look, I am have a, you talked about the um the quarantine I'm the gonna, jar sauce no, i'm gonna do the jar sauce quarantine. next week because it's a tomato sauce and next week's gonna be tar- <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's so good yeah but jar 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 sauce like it's, it's evil it's evil but there's yeah. none of it in the supermarket like i want to know Who's got all this jar sauce? And what are they going to do with the jars as well, you know? Like <laughs> pasta sauce is so easy, you know? It's so strange the things that aren't there um, as opposed to everything that's there. Like there's so much fresh produce here at the moment. Yes, there um, is, yes. Yeah. yeah, good quality. <laughs> <laughs> and there's fresh bread here and it's a sort of not – it's like all that, you know, fresh produce is here but that's not what everyone's buying. Well, hopefully they're buying that too. Well, hopefully for those small businesses. Ultimately, I don't care if people are buying anything at all, you know, down to capitalism and all that. But um, yes, I do. I do want to support all those local business people in in all of our small communities. Yeah. Um, So yeah, to do that in this model, current model, we've got to buy stuff. Yeah, although you don't want to buy sort of, you don't want to buy too often either. So that's what I'm doing at the moment is just only having like a once weekly or once fortnightly trip to the supermarket. Yeah. I did actually go out with my handmade uh, mask last time. Oh, did you? I did. I just wanted to try it out and I felt, um, I just sometimes, particularly supermarkets, people are really close to you and everyone's sort of there, you know, thinking about what they're buying and... 
I um, it was made with lots of beautiful sort of leftover cloth I had, but I did notice there were quite a few people who I didn't know were coming up to me and saying, "Oh, hi, it's you." I didn't know who it was. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm just picturing them kind of reaching out to you and trying to fondle your mask because but it's it so wasn't beautiful. People I actually like, get back, get back. <laughs> but these weren't people I knew. I just think they thought I was someone else because all oh, I could see with my eyes. And it was like. Take away most of your features and they think, yeah, you look more like a whole lot of other people. Maybe 10 other people out there. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm not wearing the mask at the moment. I'm just holding off on um, wearing the mask till things get really desperate. Um, yeah. And I have to say, this is the first show I've actually done in the studio for about a month as mm. well. And um, all my other shows have been pre-recorded. So it's been really nice to actually come into the studio and do a live show because it does have, I think, a different feel to it than a pre-recorded show, which is fine as well. But And um, this Zoom thing works fantastically, Beck. Oh, Great. You've been enjoying talking to my ear? Uh, I can actually see you vaguely there as well. You think you can. <laughs> <laughs> I've had you against my ear because uh, the sound quality is non-existent otherwise. But yeah. Anyway, that's not exciting radio. No. But um, it's, been, it's been an absolute hoot to be talking to you and as it, as it would be either way, but just, yeah, you know, you're pulling on my heartstrings anyway to be uh, feeling like I'm there in Alice. And, you know, but the thing is, Beck, is that, um, you know, I'm not doing any shows live, you know, in terms in, next to, with someone. So it's really opened mm. up the possibilities um, in terms of who I can have as, as a guest and a co-host. So hopefully we can yes. do this again really soon. Yes. Great. Great. Um, great, she says, knowing great. that she's going to go underground again. We're, we're all going underground in the in the world, Rita. We are, but we have the internet and we have Zoom. Yeah, so you can be underground. True. Like you, you're doing this show and you're in your backyard in Victoria. Um, I know. Victoria, I know. It's, a bit, it's a bit mad. I'm sitting yeah. out by a fire in my backyard in uh, coastal country Victoria. Completely <laughs> mad. Well, I've actually got to go home and uh, finish off my Posada, which I started at about two o'clock without sort of really fully appreciating how much work it involves. So I've got to get home before the sun goes down and do the grinding. And um, listeners, just make sure you tune in next week. It'll be a really good Posada show. Um, hey, Beck, happy Easter. Um, Thank you. Happy Good Friday, although you never say Happy Good Friday because it's a little bit. No, of a I notice that people are doing that all over the place, but really, it's um, very non not the done thing. No. What is the Greek expression? I wrote it down inside, but I'm now sitting outside by the back by the fire uh, outside. I wrote it outside. down too, and I this is Kalapaska. Uh, ah, Kalapaska, Kalapaska. But then there's a response which I didn't quite get from Susie, uh, but you can okay. say Kalapaska, Rita, and I can say yes, uh, Happy Easter. Eat lots Thanks of... so much for uh, including me in no, your show, it's Rita. So it's fun. lovely to talk to you. Um, are you going to go and eat a lot of chocolate for Easter? I um, I have to say I jumped the gun as I do, <laughs> and I already have. You're not meant to eat the chocolate till no, Sunday. You're you not know, meant but, to uh... eat it till Sunday. I haven't eaten any. I've eaten lots of other things though, but the chocolate yeah. is still sitting there. Okay. No, I, I jumped the gun. Um, so never mind. Never mind. It wouldn't be me if I didn't do that. No, it wouldn't be you at all. Good on you for jumping the gun. <laughs> Makes the rest of us feel so much more virtuous. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's my role in life, allowing other people to feel virtuous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go right. out now with uh, Something Good by Alt-J. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Kitchen Radio. Please tune in next week and have a fantastic Easter. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio on 8 C 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek.